Welcome to the Simply Cosmopolitan podcast. We're your hosts, Ingrid and Isabella, and we're here to talk all things sisterhood, studying, self-care, and style. So grab your favorite coffee order and let's get into it. Welcome everyone back to another Simply Cosmopolitan episode. We are so excited to have Brianne Helfrich on the Simply Cosmopolitan podcast today. She is our very first guest that's non-family onto our podcast. So thank you so much, Brianne, for coming on. And if you could please introduce yourself. We know you for so many different things. So if you can just share everything about yourself. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be your first non-family guest. Yes. Um, my name is Brianne Helfridge. I am 26 years old. I had to think about that for a sec. Um, I'm a full-time bioethics PhD student. I host my own podcast, Welcome to the Collective. And then I also have a clothing brand called Helfridge Collective. So amazing. Okay, so when did you start your podcast and your brand and how did that kind of timeline evolve? Yeah, um, they both started in 2021. Mm. Um, they kind of started like at the same time. Okay. Um, the podcast started because I, with my clothing brand, we give back to different organizations for every collection that we create. And so the first one that we did was actually to a woman's shelter um, in my hometown. And I wanted to do an interview with them to basically like let people know like where we were donating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, where am I going to put this hour long interview? No one's going to watch it as a video. Like no one's going to want this. Mm-hmm. So I decided to make a podcast and that's kind of like why it started. Um, and they, yeah, so that's literally my first episode. It's still up and people are so confused all the time. Like why <laughs> this episode is on there, but I just, I can't take it down. Cause it's like, why this all happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they both started in like 2021-ish. Okay. I love that like, like original and kind of just like organic evolution of how like the podcast started. It's like a great story also. Yeah. And so I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit behind like your inspiration specifically for your clothing brand, Hellfridge Collective, and talk a little bit about, you said that you donate some of the proceeds to charity. Where did that come about and where did that kind of passion evolve from? Yeah. So during the pandemic, um, I got sent home from school. I went to school in Arizona. So I got sent home, obviously. Um, And then I was on a gap year and I was supposed to spend that gap year kind of traveling and doing all this fun stuff. Obviously, that didn't happen either. Um, And at the time, I was applying to medical schools and I got rejected from all of them. I went through a breakup. Just so many things kind of happened. And my mental health was really just like taking a toll. So I said to my mom, I was like, what can I do to just kind of like be creative and like do something that's just like for me and something fun. And I decided to make a hoodie just like randomly. Um, I'm the type of person that when I decide to do something, I decide to do it like full force. So I was like, I'm not just going to take a random hoodie and put my own logo on it I was like I'm gonna make this from scratch like I'm going to choose every single detail of this so then that kind of happened I created the hoodie and because 
the whole reason I started was because of my own mental health and because of my own mental health struggles. I really wanted this hoodie to kind of like represent mental health awareness. So we gave back to mental health for that collection. And then from there, like I just wanted to be able to give back. I feel like I'm so privileged and I've lived such like an amazing life that I need to use that privilege to give back in whatever way I can. Um, So each collection, we just give back to different organizations that kind of like are happening in the moment or something that just like really resonates with us. I love that so much. And I love how it started specifically like during the pandemic when also so many other people were dealing with mental health struggles as well. It's funny because Isabella and I started something a little similar to that. We had a little nonprofit. I'm a yoga instructor and Isabella was Mm -hmm. a Pilates instructor. And so we taught fitness classes online and then we donated back to our local uh, medical school for COVID-19 relief. And so Mm -hmm. a little similar, a little different, but it's that great feeling to be able to like give back to your community and kind of help and help other people who are going through similar struggles. Yeah. yeah. And it also like really helped us like feel connected to other people, which I bet like with you with like selling mm-hmm. the hoodie and like giving back to the organizations, you like feel like a sense of community because I know like it was really isolating. It's like weird during those times. Yeah. And it's just it's so crazy to just kind of see like how a lot of the time people say like one person can't make a difference. Right. But then it's so crazy to kind of see just how donating a certain amount of hoodies or a certain dollar amount or something like that and see kind of like where it goes and who it helps like it's just it's so like warm and just like makes yeah. you feel so good how was it like getting your community to like purchase your hoodie like how was it at first did you have to like break through any like third wall or like mental like barrier yourself like anything like that yeah I mean when I first launched it I thought it was literally gonna be like my own parents who like <laughs> let me live in their house like I thought it was going to be them buying it like I didn't think anyone was going to buy it anyone was going to care um and I basically just had to almost pitch myself to a whole bunch of different like news outlets to hopefully just kind of get more people to see it so that's kind of how we started selling at the beginning Um, obviously family and friends were like the first people to buy and then from there I got on a lot of local news stations and that kind of helped raise awareness especially because I was donating back to my own hometown so it was a good way for people in the community to kind of feel connected to it Um, but yeah I just basically had to like put myself out there and pitch myself to anyone who would listen and I feel like that's still like what I'm doing but that's kind of like how it started with the sales. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Also like now that Huffridge Collective has really expanded to not just a hoodie, right. But Mm -hmm. to like all this other different types of clothing wear, if you could get into that, we would love to hear about that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So now we do athletic wear too. Um, We started with a hoodie and stuff because I live in a sweatsuit. Like you can ask anyone. I literally wear a sweatsuit (laughs) no matter where I am. Yeah, Same like I us. literally, it's my go-to outfit. Um, some people think it's ugly. I think it looks so good. Like if you put on like a leather jacket or something with it, yeah. like I think it's just so cool. Um, so yeah, so that's like why the hoodies and stuff started, just because 
I wanted it to be something that I would wear myself. Mm. And then from there, we decided to kind of move a little bit more into like active wear and that sort of thing, just to kind of almost like expand our demographic. Like a lot of people like to do Pilates or different workouts. And so I wanted to kind of like incorporate that into the brand. Um and yeah, so now we do like activewear and hoodies and sweats. I don't know if we'll venture into anything else. I'm kind of a person that I'm like, if you do one thing, like I want to do it really well. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to stick with these for now and just like see how it goes. All the items are like so aesthetic and it just goes oh so God. well with like your podcast aesthetic. How do you design the items and just like keep the aesthetic so cohesive and develop aesthetic brand? <laughs> oh my God, thanks. Um, Yeah, I wish I could tell you that I'm very aesthetic. I don't feel like <laughs> I am at all. Like I literally don't feel like I'm aesthetic at all so luckily I have a graphic designer who's also who she just became my best friend she was the first employee I've ever hired for HC and now she's gonna be one of my bridesmaids like she's literally my best friend and she honestly is the reason that HC is so aesthetic like it's not me at all um but we go through a lot of trial and error that's like the biggest thing um I just flew home to visit my family this week um, from Toronto and I brought a massive suitcase of all the samples that never actually made it to production because I was like, I can't fit these in my tiny little Toronto apartment anymore. My boyfriend's getting annoyed. So I had to bring them home, but there's just so many samples that like we've tried and they just aren't matching the vibe or matching, like you said, the aesthetic and they just aren't working out. So yeah, I can't take credit for all of it because I definitely have a team that's helping me (laughs) because I would not be able to do it on my own at all. Um, But it's definitely like a lot of trial and error to see what works and what doesn't. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so cool. And it's so cool to like learn about the whole process about Mm -hmm. how to actually make like a a piece of clothing. (laughs) I wouldn't have known that. Um, So I know that Helfridge Collective is really also about your personal story, right? And so I knew you were talking before about like mental health and about your mental health journey. And you also said that you're a PhD student and you've been in academia for a long time. So how do you prioritize um, like mental health while still like studying, right? And like school's so stressful, like we've experienced it so much, yet we have committed ourselves for future also like you in school. So how do you, how do you manage that? Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. I honestly, I get asked all the time, like, how do I manage just like all of it? And I always say, I don't like, I wish that I could tell people like, I'm so organized all the time. And I just can always like make everything work. But like most of the time I like have a breakdown and then I have to like pull myself together and be like, okay, keep going. Um, but yeah, I've been in school for a very, very long time. I was literally talking to my family about that. I was like, I'm ready to be done. I have been doing it for a hot minute. Um, but I always say like school's really hard. Like I'm very lucky that I even get to go to school and I'm very lucky that I even get to have higher education because so many people don't. But at the same time, like it's a very stressful thing and the pressure of school is very stressful and trying to meet certain standards is always very stressful. So I really try to give myself 
a lot of grace and I really try and always tell myself that my school and like academia performance doesn't relate to who I am as a human being and that was kind of my biggest thing especially with applying to med schools and getting rejected I thought that that kind of put value on who I was as a person and I realized that I mean those people don't know me the people rejecting me from schools don't actually know me they don't know who I am they don't know my personality they're just looking at a criteria that maybe I'm just not meeting in whatever way and so since then that's kind of just always been my mindset when it comes to school like if I do bad on a test I'm like okay I can do better on the next one like this doesn't actually mean that I'm dumb this doesn't mean that I'm not a good human being like I really just try and kind of separate the two Mm -hmm. because it's very easy to use school as a way of like valuing yourself and I've definitely done that so much in my life and I've kind of just had to realize like they're two very separate things and people learn very different ways and people have strengths in different areas. And so I just really had to, yeah, like I said, just separate them and just kind of like constantly remind myself of that. Otherwise your mental health will take a toll otherwise, because no matter what, like school's always going to be hard and it's always going to make you cry. So yeah. (laughs) I love how you kind of also like share like the normalcy and like how hard school is in the sense of like the breakdowns and stuff because like Mm -hmm. it is true and I feel like especially on social media there's a lot of people out there that want to show that they can do school and do all this other stuff and like they're so like perfect right Mm -hmm. there's this other side that I feel like a lot of people struggle with like I see it with my friends all the time we talk about it some people don't share about it but Mm it feels always so good when you hear someone else who's of going it through it together so you know that you're not alone in the process and I also really like how you talked about like academic validation because that is something Mm -hmm. I did struggle with Mm -hmm. a lot yeah Yeah. and it takes a lot to separate that mindset from your value from like school stuff yeah Mm -hmm. no I agree and I also it's so like helpful to like hear it from someone like hear it from you how you also like have the mental breakdowns and all of that stuff Because sometimes, I don't know if you've had this experience, but other like students in your classes kind of they show up and like, yeah, you know, I like studied what, like an hour and I got the highest grade and it's like, oh, like, am I doing something wrong? But like, they're kind of like putting up a front too, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, especially like I was pre-med and so pre-med kids are a very different breed. Um, (laughs) And so I just never felt like I was at their level in whatever way like even if we got the same mark like I just didn't feel like I was doing as much as them or like had as many extracurriculars or like was TAing for enough people like you just always feel this pressure and like you said like even on social media there's so many content creators or other people who will post about doing it all and doing it all so well and as someone who has struggled to even just manage doing everything, like it makes you feel kind of like shitty. Like it just makes you feel really bad about yourself when you just can't relate to how well someone else is doing. But like you said, it's a lot of the time kind of just a front. um, And that's something I had to learn. And I just wanted to make sure that if I was ever posting on social media or like even with the podcast, I wanted it to be 
pretty transparent because I feel like a lot of people can relate to kind of just like that normalcy and just realizing like life is hard and it's not always going to be easy and it's normal for people that even if I post something on social media like I can have a massive breakdown that same day and I just think that's really important to like share yeah well on the topic of like transparency on like social media like how do you stay like authentic and show kind of those not as like pretty size, you know, because we want to create a brand that's, you know, transparent and we show the good and the bad and all sorts of sides, but it also can be hard to do that. You know, like, how do you do it? No, I, I totally agree. I mean, if I like, there's certain things that obviously I won't share as much. Like, Mm -hmm. I also think it's important to kind of just have like a personal life and like a private life. Um, I definitely don't think I'm like a big creator in any way. Like I, all the time, I'm like, I don't know why people even listen. Like, I don't know what I'm sharing, but like for people who actually have like a really big following, I totally understand like wanting to have a private life. If I were to get in like a fight with my boyfriend or something, like I'm not going to share that on social media and like tell everyone about it. But I do think that it's important to kind of share, especially like with my business and being so young and not knowing what I'm doing. And I'm kind of just like going through the motions every day and trying to figure it out. I think that that's important to share and let people know, like we have breakdowns, things kind of happen and just try and like be as authentic as I can. I think I'm also really lucky that I have the podcast because I definitely feel like I'm way more authentic on the podcast than I am on social media and like posting on Insta. I always say like, it's not real. Like nothing I post is actually like really real life. Like I posted an ad yesterday and I wasn't even in Toronto. So like, (laughs) is that actually a real thing? No. But luckily I have the podcast, which is where I connect with the most amount of people. And I can just kind of share like actually what's going on. Just like you guys have the podcast and I'm sure you feel the same about that. Because mm-hmm. I just always, everything I see on Instagram or something, I always take it with a grain of salt. And I'm like, this photo's probably, you probably Photoshopped yourself into this picture. Like I just, <laughs> yeah. it's not, yeah. none of it's real. No, yeah. Um, No, I also agree. And I think podcasting, especially when you're doing like interviews, we mostly talk like with each other, but I've had an, I had another podcast in the past with my university and I did a lot of interviewing and I feel like something I've learned is also like the value of listening and like not seeing what you see on social media, like not making that your first impression of the person actually hearing their story and understanding where they come from. And so I think that's just a little fun fact, the value of podcasting. Yeah. No, I think I you've probably seen that too. Mm-hmm, I agree. And I mean, a lot of the time, I mean, I've realized that when I meet someone from social media, they might not be how I perceive them on social media. Like, exactly. I think a lot of people might think like I'm super outgoing all the time. And with a certain group of people, I am. But in real life, I get very nervous being around new people. So I might be more shy than they would assume or like that sort of thing. And so especially meeting a whole bunch of creators, like I've really realized that what they put out might not actually be who they are. Yeah. And so like you said, it's just really important to like actually talk to people and like listen to them and like get to know them. And then from there kind of like see yeah how they are. But yeah. No, exactly. Okay. I want to go back a little bit to we talked about like the 
reality of school, right? All the struggles. But I also want to talk about like your path in school. Like I know you got a master's and now I believe you're in PhD school. So how did you decide on that path being for you? And then also how did you decide on bioethics? Because I believe that's what you're studying, right? Yeah. Um, so basically I got rejected from med school. That was kind of my goal. That was something that I literally thought I was going to do since I was like five. And once that happened, I basically was like, okay, well, I can't just not go to school now. Um, I got rejected and I was like, I can't take another year off because I'm never going to go back. Like once you get a little taste of not being in school, I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to go back if I don't do it now. Mm -hmm. So I decided on getting a master's. Um, I thought it would be better for my med school applications and that sort of thing. And then I actually fast tracked my master's. I actually like did it really quickly. I like did it quicker than a normal human probably should because <laughs> I thought I was going to go to med school still. And I wanted to make sure I could still apply and get in. Um, I applied again, didn't get in again. So from that, I was like, okay, well maybe I should do my PhD instead and kind of like change my path and like reevaluate what it is in med school that I actually wanted. And what I realized is what I wanted was one, I love medicine and I love the science of it. And two, I just want to help people. Like I really just want to be the person to like make a difference. And I've always said, I want to make a difference on like a really big scale, which is like very bold of me, but I want to just make a huge impact. And so with that, I kind of decided on bioethics because it's basically like the ethics of healthcare. It's the person who comes in and makes decisions that are like in the benefit of the patient or in the benefit of the hospital or the doctors and kind of they're the ones that can kind of like make those big life altering decisions for someone. And I decided on that. And so my master's and my PhD are like a combined program. And so a lot of people come in either with a master's already, and then they just pursue the PhD or some people come in, get the master's and keep going into the PhD. So I decided to just keep going. And now here I am and I have to finish it out because I don't have a choice anymore. But so that's kind of why I decided to do it. And now I'm thinking maybe I want to work for like the World Health Organization or something kind of like in a big scale. Like I'm a very passionate person about stuff that I believe in. So I felt like it was kind of the perfect field for me to be in. No, I think that's so cool. I feel like there's so many different, like really cool things you can do with a PhD in bioethics, specifically like Mm -hmm. what you said, like on a much larger level, like kind of international too. So that's Mm -hmm. like so exciting. I'm so excited for you. Oh my gosh. Thanks. I'm excited (laughs) to be done. When, (laughs) how much longer do you have or when do you graduate? Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. It honestly decides on how hard I want to work. Um, (laughs) I know that's maybe not the question you want to hear. I should be sensitive. Sorry. I'm like, I'm hoping in a year I'll like defend and be done, but might be a little, a little bold of me to think that. So we'll see. I'll keep you guys posted. Okay. (laughs) So what does like the day to day look like for you? Cause okay. I know you're a podcaster, you have HC, and then you're also a student, like what we were just talking Mm -hmm. about. So 
kind of break down to us how that looks like. And I know that you also fit in your workouts because we see on your Instagram and also on your podcast that you share that you always prioritize working out. So how does a day look like for you? Yeah. So I'm a really big morning person. Um, that's just, I'm not a night owl at all. Like by 3 PM, my day's normally done to be honest. Like I'm like, I can't do anything past that. So I wake up pretty early every morning. Um, and then the first thing I do is I go and I work out. I'm such an anxious person just all the time that I need to just basically like open my eyes and like start moving and just like work out to kind of get that anxious energy just like out of my body. So that's normally like how it starts. And then basically with my PhD program, a lot of my classes start at night. So they're basically from like 3 p.m. till 6.30 kind of area. So I spend the entire morning either recording a podcast episode or sending emails for HC, designing stuff, basically like get all my non-school stuff done. If I have kind of a paper to write or something like that, I try and do it in the morning because that's normally when I'm the most productive and I know that. So I really try and prioritize that. And then basically I'll log into class at like 3 p.m., have school for the day, and then eat dinner, go to bed, and do it all over again the next day. (laughs) So it's really like not that exciting. I think a lot of people think that I'm like going fun places and like doing all this crazy stuff or like going to fashion shows for HC, like just fun stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm literally sitting at home doing homework most of the time. I'm very lucky that with HC I can do a lot of it for my phone like sending emails and that sort of thing so I try and just like add it in whenever I can no matter what I'm doing HC is always my baby and it's really bad but it's like my main priority like even with school it's like kind of the (laughs) thing that I always am like what can I be doing for HC right now so if I'm in the car or something or I'm at the airport or something weird. Like I will literally just go on my phone and like start doing work for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, my days are honestly kind of boring. Like I'm kind of, I kind of live a boring but life to be honest. No, that's so like us. Like sometimes we're like posting when we're traveling, but like most of the time we're at our desks doing our homework. Not, not fun, not cute. (laughs) All of that. So, okay. You said that sometimes you're at the airport, you're doing HC, all of that. How do you find, or are you able to like turn it off? Cause I know sometimes it can be difficult to be like, okay, now it's time to relax. Cause at least mm-hmm. with us, when we're doing something like outside of school, but whether it's with our podcast or something else, we're like, go, 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 yeah. go. And then yeah. we're stressed out from what's supposed to be relaxing us. You know? No, I agree. Um, I wish I could turn it off. Like, and I try yeah. really hard, um, but I honestly don't like, When I first started HC, our manufacturers are overseas Mm -hmm. and I would set an alarm every 30 minutes in the middle of the night to wake up, to send them emails. (laughs) And my boyfriend was like, this is not healthy. Also, he was annoyed because it would wake him up every 30 minutes, but like, he was like, this is not healthy at all. But I just am so passionate about it. And it I tell everyone I'm like it makes me cry all the time like it literally is the most stressful thing in my life but it's also the thing that brings me the most joy so I wish I could turn it off but I'm constantly thinking about 
who I can reach out to, what I can do, what new designs we should come out with, when we should launch something. Like I'm always just thinking about it, but I really need to learn to <laughs> like shut it <laughs> off and like let it be because I'm about to burn myself out if I don't. So <laughs> so I know we we're just talking about like your schedule and we we're both kind of sharing that like studying is like a major part of our day lives, right? <laughs> so, and I know off mic, we were talking before about coffee and our coffee orders. Are there specific things that you do to romanticize the study life? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the first thing is wear an outfit that you feel good in. I am the worst because I'll literally wear like a old t-shirt from grade seven. That's Ingrid. <laughs> yeah. An old t-shirt that I've probably have worn every day for the past week. Like I'm a very creature of habit. So I'll wear the same outfit like for like five days mm-hmm. at home when I'm studying. And then at a certain point, I'm like, this is probably gross. Like maybe I should like yeah. change it up. So wearing something that is comfy or something that like makes you feel good is something I do. I also love to just take videos of like everything I'm doing. That's one of the ways that I found I can romanticize just kind of the boring like day to day is I'll literally take videos of me walking to Starbucks and getting a coffee. That's Mm. also one of the things that I find is like the best thing to romanticize my study um, my study day is to like go out and get myself a coffee instead of just making it at home at home. Obviously, I can't do it every single day, but it's really nice to just kind of like go for a little walk and like go to a coffee shop, grab my coffee and like go back and sit. Um, but yeah, taking videos is honestly like one of the best things. And then I make them into like a little TikTok or something. And I kind of look back on them and I'm like, oh, like, that's so cute. Like, what a great day, even though I was probably so stressed and I like hated my life. But it just kind of makes me like, appreciate every little thing that I do. And I always just try and kind of remind myself that like, again, I'm very lucky to get to go to school. And I almost try and have this mindset of like, wow, I'm so smart. Like I'm the studious girl. Like I'm sitting in the library and I'm like working so hard and I'm going to be a doctor. And like, I try and just kind of hype myself up a little bit when I'm like sitting there, just writing a paper for however many hours I try and just make it a little bit more fun in my head. But yeah, it's definitely hard to kind of romanticize your day to day, but I definitely try to do it. Yeah, no, I love your idea about like the the videos because I also mm-hmm. agree too, especially specifically when I'm like, you know, in a rut and I find myself like scrolling on my phone. If I just like put my phone and I like video myself, I'm not going to turn the video off because like I'm videoing myself, right? <laughs> exactly. I also find I work harder. Yes. Like yeah. I just like if I want to clean the house or something, I'm like, put my phone up and let's take a video. Like yeah. I'm going to clean the house. Yes. Because no. I need people to see it. <laughs> One of our rooms is really messy right now. So I did like mm-hmm. a video of like the mess and then I closed the door. And so now I need to do the reveal of when it's clean. Yeah. It's, not, it's not clean yet, but <laughs> when it is clean, I'll do the reveal. And that's kind of my motivation to clean it today. <laughs> yeah. I but love that. I like what you really said about like the mindset. And that's something that I kind of struggle with sometimes. Like if I get into like a bad like mindset or if I'm really stressed out, I kind of like approach like studying or whatever the task is kind of with a negative, negative mindset. Right. And you shouldn't yeah. be like that. So that's something I'm going to take with me. Thank you for that. Just see that, be my own hype girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just always tell myself like, 
when you like when you watch a movie or something and there's like the studious girl like sitting in the library studying I'm like that's me I'm like that's me right now I'm gonna be a doctor like I love school and I just basically like try and fake it till I make it but yeah (laughs) Yeah. you like act like a movie character exactly (laughs) you talked a little bit about wearing cute outfits when you study what are some of style tips just in general, we, you're so fashionable with HC. What are like outfit ideas for girls? They're going to class, maybe they're studying at home, but they want to feel confident, but also like they're studying. So they want to be comfy. Yeah. Um, well, first, thank you. Because if you were to ask anyone in my family, they would say I'm not stylish at all. Because like I said, I wear the same thing every day. Um, but I definitely love one of my favorite items at the moment are like big oversized leather jackets I also love an oversized blazer so wearing kind of like a matching sweatsuit and an oversized blazer or leather jacket is kind of like a go-to for me I also my boyfriend's a really big sneakerhead and I've said to everyone like you know we've been dating for a long time when I don't even care what my outfit looks like anymore I just want my shoes to look cool so I literally like just wear the coolest sneakers I can find now and I just automatically feel like my confidence is boosted like a nice pair of new balances are like my favorite oh yeah so yeah I definitely think like a sweatsuit with a oversized blazer or oversized jacket of some sort is super cute to wear to class um I when I was in undergrad I would wear kind of like an oversized hoodie with shorts all the time or like an oversized t-shirt I feel like that's just kind of like the go-to style um in undergrad especially like at American universities and I would just love that I just always feel like going to class I want to be super cozy and like comfy and if I ever wear anything that makes me feel like uncomfortable in any way like I can just never focus in class or I can never study well so I always love kind of like baggy jeans or like baggy hoodies or just something that just makes me feel good and I think whatever you're wearing as long as you just kind of have the confidence with it like it's gonna just look good and that's kind of what I've just decided I don't know if that's actually true but I've just decided like I could literally wear a gray on gray ugly outfit from like grade four and if I just have the confidence with it then like everyone's gonna think it looks like the best thing ever so yeah yeah I think it's how you like project yourself and I feel like (laughs) I find that often too like if sometimes I'm like oh I have like a dress that I haven't worn in a long time then I put it on I'm like okay you know what I'm just gonna act like it's amazing (laughs) yeah and then you have that mindset something that I meant to kind of talk about earlier, but I forgot, but I wanted to make sure I asked you. So I know you were talking about how you would reach out to like different news outlets for HC Mm -hmm. at the very beginning. And I know that you've shared on your podcast about networking and how you've been reaching out to people to see what other like collaborations or just different ways to get across HC to different people. Could you share a little bit about like maybe some networking tips for people like at the very beginning? Yeah, I think the biggest way that I personally do it is through LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is literally amazing for that. Um, Reaching out to people is always very scary. And I always get really nervous about like what they're going to say back or if they're even going to respond because a lot of the time people don't even respond. 
but I've kind of realized that you just have to shoot your shot. You have to literally just shoot your shot because I always tell myself that what's the worst that's going to happen? Like if I reach out to them and they say yes, then amazing. Something might happen. If I reach out to them and they say no, then I'm in no different of a spot than I'm already in. And so LinkedIn is an amazing way to find who you need to reach out to. Cause I think that's the hardest part. It's not necessarily reaching out necessarily, but it's like finding the right person and I think it was Chris Jenner said, like, if someone says no, you're asking the wrong person. And I honestly tell that to myself all the time. <laughs> and I will message, like, say there's a company, I will literally message all these different people in it. And if someone says no, I'll just find a different person in the same company and reach mm-hmm. out to them. Because I'm like, maybe they just don't have the authority to do it. Maybe they are in the right, like, realm of what I'm trying to do and so I think reaching out to different people is a really great way to do it um but yeah finding the right person is always hard I always say if you're reaching out to a company and you can't find the right person on their Instagram a lot of the time they will have the email little button And that email is a lot of the time different than the email they have on their website. And so I'll reach out to that one because that's the one that they probably check more often than kind of just like a general customer service email. Um, But yeah, I think it's just kind of like, just be friendly, be nice, put yourself out there, present whatever you're trying to present. Networking, I don't view it necessarily as like a business type of networking thing I try and always just think to myself like okay I'm just building connections I'm just building friends because I think that makes it a little less scary because it's very it's very scary the business world's very scary especially being a girl especially being young so I try to just always not dumb it down for myself but I try and just like make it a little bit more at my level Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's so important just to kind of like think of it more of in terms of like, okay, you're just building your network. You know, it can help you maybe down the row, but it's just building a circle of friends for right now. Yeah. And I think it also like doing it online through LinkedIn also helps later if you ever like are in person or whatever. I feel like it gives you that like little bit of a confidence. You're like, okay, connected with all these people on LinkedIn. I can do this. I can do a networking, you know, conference in person as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And in person it's definitely like like I said I'm a very shy person normally so going up to someone in person is like literally my biggest fear in life oh yeah and I've just had to just force myself to do it and it's kind of that thing that practice makes perfect and the more you do it the more comfortable you're gonna get and I always hype myself up before and I'm like you're so personable. People like you, you can do this. And then I'll just kind of go up and introduce myself or ask them a question or something. But it's definitely something that networking as a whole, like you just have to practice it. And as you do it and the more you do it, you're going to learn kind of what works and what doesn't Mm -hmm. and be able to kind of tweak things based on your own personality or based on what you're trying to get out of these connections. And yeah, it's a very, it's a very weird thing when you no, think I about agree. it, but and it's yeah. specifically like what you said, like in person, sometimes it could be really scary. 
Um, And I feel like the past two years have really grown in terms of like my confidence in Mm -hmm. networking in person and going up to that random person and just, you know, making that little connection there. Mm -hmm. But I guess kind of like what you said as well, like the more you do it, the more you kind of crave it or the more you get like excited about it. And it's not that big of a deal after a while, but it's just coming up with that, like little elevator pitch almost, or just like Mm -hmm. one two sentence synopsis. If they ask you a question, you know, you kind of like know what you're going to say. Exactly. And once you do it once and say like it works and something comes from it, like you said, you're going to almost like crave that you're going to be like, okay, well I did this one time and it worked out. So why would I not keep doing it? Yeah. And I think it's also important to know that so many people get no's and you're going to get no's. And so you just have to kind of like keep moving forward and keep rolling with it because when I would get no's I would literally think like I was the worst person and my business sucked and nothing was ever going to come from it but a lot of the no's that I've received I've realized it's all about timing and it really has nothing to do with me it has nothing to do with my business it just has to do with like the timing of things so if you do get a no like don't be scared to kind of reach out in a few months or in a year or however long, cause things can change so quickly and people's opinions and ideas can change too. So just shoot your shot. That's like my biggest thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely yeah. agree. Just put it out there. Why not? You know, mm-hmm. like what you said, you might just end up in the same spot. Nothing is bad about that. Why not mm-hmm. take the chance? Yeah. No, something that really helps me for like networking is like sending a text to my sister. So like, she knows already that like she encourages me back. I was recently mm-hmm. like volunteering at this pitch competition and all these like startups and like investors were there and it was like intimidating. And I like found out, like I researched some of the people, you know, as I'm sitting there yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I found like, oh my gosh, like such a cool position. Like I want to meet them, but I was like feeling so intimidated. So like I text my family group chat. I'm like, guys, like guess who's here? And then my sister, of course, is like, Isabel, you have to go up to her. And so I'm like, okay, now they're holding me accountable. Like Ingrid knows that I was in the same room as this person. Like she's going to get mad at me if I don't go talk to them. (laughs) Yeah. Like towards the end, I'm like, okay, I have to do it. Ingrid's going to get mad at me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've always tell myself, I mean, they're just people too. Like, even though they like might have a big following or like a big company or whatever. Like they are just human beings. And a lot of the time people are really nice. And a lot of the time people like want to talk to you back. And if they don't, then I always take it as like a, okay, now I know, like, I just never need to associate with that person again. But I've realized that most of the time people are actually really nice and like welcoming and it's just intimidating at first. But then once you start to talk to them, like all of that kind of fades away. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the persons that I ended up talking to, I was like, oh, I am a huge fan of your business. And she's like, oh, wow. Like most people here have never heard of it. I thought like everyone was flocking to her, but she's like really excited to hear from me. So I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. cool. (laughs) And networking is always such a good tool to have in the back of your belt with whatever profession or career you're going to go into anything Mm -hmm. like that. Brianne, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We have literally loved talking to you and hearing all of your your story and your advice. Where can people find you? Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, people can find me on Instagram. It's just at Brianne Helfrich. And then the podcast is at WTTC podcast underscore. Someone took WTTC podcast, which I don't understand. So I had to add a little underscore to it. 
and then also just at Helfridge Collective. Um, but yes, the podcast is Welcome to the Collective. You can listen to it on Apple, I think Google Podcasts, Spotify. I don't know. Wherever you listen to your podcast, yeah. you can probably find it. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah. on. I know that you have such a busy schedule, so we're very appreciative. Oh.